Um, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, hopefully, I yeah, no more mid, mid-row collisions on the way as you exit this morning. Uh, but it is a pleasure to be here this morning with you. Uh, it has been, I was thinking about it coming in today. It's actually been about seven or eight weeks since we were gone down to the U.S. and then overseas to Vanuatu and coming back. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I was talking with a couple people coming back in. Uh, they were asking us, so how did the missions trip go? I said, well, I'll share a little bit about it today up front with you. Um, and usually the answers go, it was great, it was short, it was long, it was exhausting, it was tiring. Those are kind of the one-word answers. I'll give you some stories this morning too, um, but the reality is that God did a lot in the five weeks that we were over in Vanuatu. Um, and uh, this morning I want to share a little bit. And there's a lot that I can't share because we can't really express it in words. God does some pretty amazing things when you step outside of your comfort zone and you choose just to trust him as he takes you on mission with him. And for us as a family, it was a privilege uh, to be able to go. It was a privilege to be sent. Um, I did ask certain members in our family if they would be willing to share this morning. You'll notice they're not up here with me. Um, But I invite you to go and talk to them afterwards uh, and see from their end and from their perspective uh, how things went there. Uh, For some of you who are new this morning or who may not know who I am, my name is Matt Durkee. I'm myself and my wife, Megan. And my kids, Maria and Moses, are uh, actually, I think we're a number of different things in associated to this church. Uh, missionaries, we're supported, we've been supported since 2009 as myself as a single missionary, and then I met my wife Megan in West Africa, where we served for about nine years. Uh, and then more recently transitioned into a leadership role with Friends in Action, and we're still supported missionaries by the church there. I'm also one of the elders here and a member here. Uh, I'm also involved in the STEAM camp, which someone talked about earlier. I'll give a quick plug for that. Um, Be praying for us. Uh, Yesterday we had, uh, for those who were able to make it, we had a training session for all of our STEAM camp leaders, uh, volunteers, STEM leaders, uh, different people that are helping out with it, about 20, 25 people. Uh, We could use a few more. And so if you've got your vulnerable sector check already in and you wanted to help us out, we'd be more than willing to take you. Some really neat stories that are starting to come together for that. Uh, We've had some great connection points with the community. Something you may not know is of the 60 kids we have signed up, I mean, that's a huge answer to prayer. We have 60 kids signed up for this camp. Less than 15 are from this church, which means that we've got kids coming from other churches, other neighborhood groups. We actually have, we're figuring we've got a good 10 to 12 kids that are potentially unchurched altogether. So please be praying for STEAM camp as it happens August 21st to 25th. We're excited and nervous. Um, This is gonna be the first time we're running it and the first time actually any of us have done something like this. And so we have some people that are in certain roles that are gonna be stretching and pushing their limits, pushing their buttons a little bit. So we're just praying that God's grace and mercy be on them for that too. So that's August 21st to 25th, so please be praying for us for that. This morning though, I'm taking my elder hat off, my member hat off, my steam camp off, and I'm just Matt the missionary. Um, And so I want to be sharing uh, my heart with respect to the mission, to share a little bit about the mission in Vanuatu, um, and to bring a bit of an encouragement from some words that were shared actually during the trip, and I think are appropriate for us today too. Anyways, before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks and praise. You are most worthy to be worshiped most worthy to be lifted high, most worthy to be honored and adored. And God, all the words that we have, we have sung, that we have spoken, that we have prayed, God, that's just a fraction of what you are owed and what you deserve. 
Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for predestining us for yourself. We thank you for predestining us not only for adoption into your kingdom, but also for the good works that you have planned for us before the beginning of time. And Father, claiming and understanding the word and the veracity of truth of, of the word of God, we, we need to claim and recognize that promise is true for each one of us here too. So God, I just thank you for the opportunity to worship together. I thank you for bringing us to this place this morning. For each person who's coming through the doors, God, we need you. For any of us that have walked in not thinking of you, forgive us. For any of us walking in thinking of other things or thinking about the next thing to do, may we stop and slow down and spend time with you right now. Lord, we love you. That's why we're here. Thank you for all of this that you have allowed us to do and be part of. Thank you for this church, this place, and this time of worship. In your name, amen. I want to start off with a quick quote from John Piper. Um, he says, he says something. Sorry. Here I am, ready to go, and then... All right. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessary, a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Um, that's a pretty astounding quote, and especially for us and uh, for me involved in missions, that's one of the first things that I think has resonated with me throughout the years, uh, ever since I first started back in 2009 and all the way through. And a lot of times we can get really focused on what missions is in the practical way. Missions or missionaries are this. Missions or missionaries do that. Um, and I think sometimes we forget the whole fact and the whole purpose of the church of which missionaries are part of is to worship God. Missions is a part of worship, just as much as this morning, us lifting our voices in worship, us praying and praising God is worship. Just as much, too, as us in our everyday lives, we ought to be worshiping God in every action and every decision um, in the daily lives that we have, living in a way that is honoring to God. And so for us as a family, as we had the opportunity to go to Vanuatu, that was one of the things that I challenged our kids and, and for Megan and I as we were going across, is saying, how, how is this an expression of worship as we engage with our God and what's something that he's called us to? On a practical level, we were going over for uh, a specific purpose, um, but also, and for Megan and I, uh, bringing our kids along, we had intention behind that too. And I shared some of that a couple of months ago as, as we were here and asking you to pray for us. Um, and the exciting thing is that God answered prayer. Um, we had uh, a, lot, a number of, of different experiences, and I'll share that in a little bit, but just specifically about where we're going to. We're in the island country, island nations of Vanuatu. Now, Vanuatu itself is a, a collection of islands. There's about 83 different island groups um, that are there, and a part of it, there's, I think, 24 to 26 different languages, depending on, on uh, what you're Googling in terms of reference. Um, but one of the things that was exciting about the, the particular province or island that we we're going to is they spoke both French and English. And so myself, growing up speaking French, uh, being in a French country in Burkina Faso when we were ministering there, our kids going to the French-speaking school just over on the other side of the road, um, 
uh, just down the, down the hill over here, and Megan, knowing French as well, we were able to engage not just in one language, but two languages with the people. But their, their heart language being Bishlama, of course, we didn't know much of that. But it was definitely an experience to be attending the different morning services that were there that were held both in English and Bishlama. Um, and by the end of it, I think we were understanding more and more, and that was kind of exciting too. But the religion, if you actually go online, you Google Vanuatu, you'd say, well, that's roughly, it's 83% Christian. I'd say, wait a second. Why are you going to a country which is 83% Christian? Shouldn't you be focusing on countries that are like 1% or 0.1% or, you know, places that need Jesus and need God? We had a missionary come and speak with us while we were there to talk about the cultural side of, of missions, uh, of, of missions there and the cultural side of what it means to be both a quote-unquote Christian nation. And we actually had a taxi driver one of the last days we were in Vanuatu that talked a little bit about it as well. So we actually, and I should have put this picture of the flag up, but uh, the picture of the flag is in multiple different colors and there's different designs. It's all symbolic, of course. But there's a big yellow stripe that actually looks like a Y on the flag of Vanuatu. And it's to represent Christianity, how Christianity runs through this island and how it kind of holds it together. It's one of the, the founding and contributing uh, religions to, to Vanuatu. And in the same breath, the taxi driver started talking about the shark man of Malakula and started talking about the witch doctors and talking about how the, the shamans and how the witch doctors would put curses and how some of these powerful men would turn into sharks and go and eat people in this particular island. And, and if you listen closely to some of the different people as they're talking, those kind of stories would go hand in hand with Christianity. We actually had a, one of the missionaries that we support, his name is Matt Mead. He actually came and gave us a bit of a, a presentation when our whole team was there. There's about 14 or 18 of us at one point. And um, he's been on, on the island for a number of years working in different communities. And one of the things that he said is like, well, there is Christianity. And yes, there have been missionaries coming from the Presbyterian Church, the Anglican Church, the Roman Catholic Church. There's, there's different influences from different religious groups that have come. What's happened is they've come and they've introduced God, they've come and they've introduced Jesus, and the people have taken and accepted it and put it right on the shelf with all the other traditions and all the other ancestors and all the other spirits that they worship. And a lot of times, when you're going into some of these churches, uh, you'll go into the service and they'll have the Bible and they'll do different things, and then later on in the week, you can go and ask the pastor, you give him a certain amount of money and he'll pray a blessing over you for Jesus to bless you. Which you're like, well, exchanging money for prayers, that doesn't sound too bad, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility in some places. That same pastor, you can go and give him a little bit more money, you can pray a curse over someone else. Or you can pray healing over somebody else. Or you can pray sickness into the water of that person. Or you can pray love into the person of someone over here. And this is something that is actually fairly common, not just in this one particular island or one particular place, but throughout the culture or they've taken the role of pastor, or they've taken the role of bishop, or they've taken the role of religious leader for that, for that group and merged it with all of the others. Which is why your local witch doctors and pastors have no problem associating together. One of the things that we've been doing as a ministry is taking time to actually invest in people that we found and investigated to be truly walking with the Lord. And that can be hard, because this is also a culture that wants to tell you what they think you want to hear. And so it takes time to be able to, dry, to drill down beneath the layers of culture. And trust me, this is a, a country that has so many different layers of culture. They're adverse to conflict. They're adverse to anything that's actually going to potentially drive you away. 
And so as you bring the word of God or as you're engaging with them, looking to understand or help them better understand you, you would understand them, it takes time to actually get down to the level where there's trust and you're able to actually have those open conversations. One of the projects that we're working on, and I've shared a little bit about this, is this water project. And I'm gonna ask, can you flip forward three slides? Two, three, one more. Um, this man's Pastor Gavi, and he's one of the guys I actually shared about this, him uh, at our Friends in Action banquet last year. Um, I'll put a shameless plug in for that later. Um, but the uh, Pastor Gavi is one of our pastors that we have actually been working with for the past 10 years. And God's given him a vision to bring the gospel to a region uh, that has been pretty isolated um, in, with respect to, to actually any kind of influence from Christianity. Uh, he said, in the area, there's maybe a handful of small Anglican churches, uh, or I think two to three Anglican churches, and maybe one to two, quote-unquote, Presbyterian churches. But he said, most of the people in this area, is it's a form of uh, traditional ancestor worship, or even Baha'i is moving up into the area, which is a bit of an interesting story in and of itself. But God's given him, he, came, he became a follower of Christ back in the 1980s through the ministry of an of a Australian missionary. And God has actually used him to have, uh, to birth a vision for developing a pastoral training school in that community where he's taking local Christians as they minister and as they worship, as they engage together, as they disciple together, to actually form them into being pastors, lay pastors, to go into the communities that they come from. And this Bible school is not, is not heritage. This Bible school is not Tyndale, where you've got some of these big institutions. Like, they are dealing with one or two pastors a year one or two potential candidates here, and they're not necessarily even considering them as pastors. It's slow and it's small, it's steady, but this guy has a heart and a vision to share the gospel. At this point, there's three that are qualified uh, and, and have been deemed ready to go and to take the word of God into, this, into what's called the Big Bay region, which is up in the uh, kind of the northern, north central part of the island. And the area where we're actually working um, to, to, to reach and to work alongside Pastor Gabi um, to bring the gospel. Can you go back two slides? So Pastor Gabi's heart is to develop people to go, and our heart and desire is to help create opportunities. And so this is kind of one of our driving projects, an anthem project right now for Vanuatu, is we're actually looking to bring water from the top of a mountain down about 1,600 feet to 30 different villages, a bunch of schools, and a couple clinics. And Pastor Gabi came to us a number of years ago, and he said, if you bring the water, this will open the door for me to share about the one who is the living water. This will open the door and give me the opportunity, the permission, if we bring water into this place and if I can work with you to bring the water into this place, every single village chief will say, you are welcome to come into my community. And you can talk about why, about what you believe and why you're doing this. And so that's been the goal and the focus of, of Friends in Action over the past number of years in Vanuatu as we're looking to develop uh, the resources, the equipment, and the means to do that. Um, just in this first phase alone, uh, you can see kind of the elevation profile. That's what that squiggly line is. Um, it's about a 600-foot drop over a mile, which may not sound like a lot to some, but for those that are spatially, yeah, it's, it's a lot to drop. Um, and you see the squiggles as they go. Uh, it kind of tapers out over the next 15 miles of pipeline that we're going to be putting in. Um, but it's a big project. We're figuring it's going to be taking multiple years in order to do it. For Megan and I, how does this affect us or what does this involve for, for Megan and I and the kids and the missions trip that we went on? Um, 
we went over first and foremost to work alongside the couple that are over there doing the work. So Levi and Jen Pittman, uh, those are the, the people that were there. We spent five weeks with them um, and their kids. And they, uh, they've got an amazing story. Levi's actually been over there for 17 years. Uh, he went over there as a, or 16 years. He went over there as a 17-year-old. Um, his sister Lydia was already serving in country on a short-term basis. And I think the way his story went was his mom said, you should probably go just as much to get him out of the house as it was you need to go do something with your life type thing. He didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, he's a really gifted guy, hands-on, like creative, hands-on. Um, and he went overseas. He figured he'd just be there for a year and God grabbed his heart. Uh, his wife, actually, uh, Jen, she became his wife a little bit later, but she already had her eyes set on him. Uh, they grew up in the same church, and so when he came back, <clears throat> actually, she was over there as well doing some ministry service, too, and so that's kind of how they, they connected and started to develop that relationship. And long story short, they got married, went back over there. They've got three kids, um, and uh, they were part of our focus on our ministry and heading over to Vanuatu. Uh, one of the things in being sent out by a, a church, sent out by a mission organization, is a lot of times you serving on the front line, a foreign culture, foreign place, uh, we rely so much on each other for support in the day-to-day. -day. Uh, when you don't have that support or when you're in another country and culture, that just doesn't look the same. Um, and so for us as an organization, one of the things that we value and that, that I value, especially having been out in the field ourselves, is the connection that people, the, the opportunities that people take to make connections with us so that we know that we are supported, that we're loved, that we're encouraged. And as an organization, we believe that for all of our missionaries. And so as the director of the organization, I try and spend a certain amount of time with our missionaries on the field. There's only so much you can do in an email in terms of communicate and get back. Uh, there's a lot more that happens face to face. And I have to say that the benefit of going as a family was the conversations that I was able to have with Levi and Jen as a couple, because Megan and I were there as a couple, and we could relate some of our story with them, open the door to way more than I possibly had with him before. With our kids, they were definitely um, a hit with the Pittman children. So Luke 6, uh, sorry, Jonathan 6, Luke 3, and Amos was 1. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about them in, in a few minutes, but... Um, we just lived with them for probably about two weeks before the larger team got there and about a week and a half after the or about a week after the team left. Um, we did life with them in terms of we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we were there for squabbles. We were there for tickle times. We were there for uh, going on walks to feed chickens. We were able to, like Megan essentially washed more dishes in five weeks than she has in her entire life. Um, so whatever, we went there with this perspective of we're here to serve and we're here to walk alongside of you. And I think at first they were kind of apologetic for a whole lot of different things. Um, but I think they realized at the end that we really were there to serve. Uh, this was on one of our layovers. It was a, uh, quite a trip. If ever you come with us to Vanuatu, I will tell you, brace yourself. Uh, it is multiple days and multiple flights. This is actually a layover in Fiji and um, our kids had enough, I think, at that point. Um, and so uh, we had about a 12-hour layover there, and so trying to find things to do during the day to keep us busy before getting on to our last flight. Uh, but they were troopers uh, all the way there, all the way through it, all the way back. Um, our accommodations, if you go back one, our accommodations were basic, um, and, but it's kind of glamping. So we were actually in a structure, which was good because it rained often. Um, 
Uh, mosquito nets were not so much for mosquitoes, but for some of the other things that crept and crawled and did different things that way. Uh, we actually, the second last day we were there, so we, we kept finding these turds all over the place. And we couldn't figure out what this was coming from. And it wasn't, it wasn't like this, like, so. <laughs> all right. Um, we found a bat. Uh, the bat was what we found. I won't go into more details. It was not kid-related. Um, but the, the bat we found, and that was exciting. We were sharing our space and our environment with lots of different things. Um, there was also some fears that had to be overcome there, too. And I just want to say how proud I am of our kids and, and Megan. Um, there was some, some big fears of some of the long centipedes that could bite and sting and, and leave quite a a mark if you happen to step on them or they happen to bite you, which we saw a couple of them. But again, we had good sleeps and it was a, a good time of stretching us in a number of different ways. Uh, Kid-wise, so I'll talk a little bit about Maria and Moses and with the kids that were there. Um, their responsibility during the time that they were there was to spend with the children. Um, Maria was very, uh, had her set in her mind, she's like, I love babies, that baby's gonna be mine. Her and Moses would sometimes fight over the baby and that was, interesting too at times. Maria won for the most part. Um, and we also had another teenager come out with the larger team that, that came with us. And so between Maria and Shelby, uh, they kind of corralled all the kids together and they really did have a wonderful time. One of the neat things for the Pittman family though was to be able to see people come, children come and spend time with their kids. They said this has never happened before. That her parents, or his, sorry, not her parents, his parents had been over and had invested in them, but in terms of a team coming and just saying, hey, we don't know you, but we're going to love you. We're just going to spend time with you. That was so encouraging for them. And especially when sometimes things can be pretty tough and rough, and you're questioning, um, about a year ago, uh, shortly after Amos was born, um, after they'd gotten back to the field last year, he actually had a febrile seizure, and they thought that he died. I woke up in the morning, and he was shaking, and then all of a sudden went still, um, and they're probably about a 25-minute drive from the clinic, and they're driving into the hospital, and he stopped breathing. And uh, Jen shared the story. She said, I, I had my child in my hands, and she's crying, Levi's crying, the boys are crying, like not knowing what's going on, and they just started praying and thanking God for his life, trying to get the hospital, trying to do something for their, for their son, and then all of a sudden he took another breath. But in some of those circumstances and some of the remoteness, you just don't know what's going to happen to your kids. And so the fact that people are going to choose to love on your kids and come and be part of their lives for a period of time, that's huge. And it was a huge encouragement to them, especially for my kids, to be there for that. Thinking about the work that we were doing, um, just the next slide is just a picture of the team that was there. This is kind of most of it. Uh, we had a number of people who kind of dribbled in over time. Uh, we had one couple that missed their flight. Their flight being delayed uh, because of weather in the U.S. meant they let, missed a connecting flight, which meant they missed another connecting flight. Uh, in Vanuatu, there is one single airline. Uh, it's Air Vanuatu. They run flights back and forth and are often sold out. So it was either going to be a week that they would have to wait in order to get out to us, or they would have to take a 24-hour ferry in Vanuatu. I was not... It, they said it wasn't too bad of an experience, um, but we'll try and avoid it for all future teams. Um, 
but, uh, but yeah, this was the team that went. We had mechanics, welders. Uh, our purpose and our focus uh, was to be building this structure that was actually going to allow Levi, who you've already just met in terms of the picture, to be able to do uh, mechanical ministry, mechanical support. Like I said before, he's a gifted mechanic. Uh, he's very creative and, uh, and um, has a good ability and good wisdom when it comes to being able to apply himself in different mechanical areas. Um, if you skip forward one more picture. Uh, this roof was blown off in the cyclone that took place three years ago. And so to be able to do that ministry to other missionaries uh, on the island, uh, there's very little, a few mechanics, but it being very rugged, you rely on missionary ve on vehicles to be able to get yourself literally everywhere. If you don't have a vehicle, you've got no ministry. If you don't have a vehicle, uh, you're walking. And it, it is very far, long, and hard to be able to get to the places that you need to get to. And so Levi is one of the few that have a, a gifting in that area. Um, there is one service shop that's semi-reputable in the country. Uh, if you send your vehicle there, you have to mark all your original parts because they may not come back on the vehicle that you send in. Um, that's just what they're known for. Uh, you could send in the vehicle for an oil change and then all of a sudden you get all Chinese parts back because they can make more money selling off your original parts. So finding reputable, reliable mechanics to do the work is pretty critical. Plus, with this water project that we're looking to get involved in, uh, Levi's going to be kept very busy uh, when it comes down to supporting that work to take place. So our team that went out there, the focus was to work on this workshop so that we can actually be providing this service as a ministry. And uh, Levi's been essentially working in a very small space for the past number of years. Um, the way that this uh, workshop uh, was to be built in terms of the, the walls were there, uh, but the, of course the roof is missing. Um, it was all going to be made out of rebar and, and angle iron. And for some of you who are, weld are welders or structurally minded and you're thinking, well, how's that going to work and come together? Uh, essentially what we do is we take rebar, we bend it, we weld it into panels. We weld panels together to build either triangular or rectangular trusses. Um, our trusses were reaching anywhere from 40 to 80 feet long um, and being supported across the span. And uh, we had a group of seven welders out there who were working pretty much two weeks straight in order to get it done. One of the problems that we have sometimes <laughs> is that we underestimate how much work is needed or overestimate how much we can get done. Uh, so our, our desire was to get out there and to be able to have a full roof that got put up. Um, we didn't get there. Uh, we were able to get some of, the, uh, some of the trusses up, some of the purlins up, but we left Levi in a really good spot to be able to finish off the rest of the work between now and October. Um, one of the things, it being an island nation in the South Pacific, surrounded by water, rain all the time, working with metal, lots of rust. Uh, and so one of the things that we had to get done and that just actually wrapped up this week was get all of the things that had been built uh, painted. Uh, now that it's painted, it's not going to be rusting, uh, and it also gives him a bit of a breather. Uh, we've got a, a team that's heading over in October from the U.S. that's going to try and wrap up the rest of that, that project. Um, but it was huge. Uh, that's as far as we got as a team. Um, so again, it doesn't look like much. I remember taking the picture and being like, huh, thought it would have looked more impressive. On the ground, it actually does. Um, but to think that all of it started with single 20-foot lengths of rebar and single 20-foot lengths of angle iron. Uh, so it took a lot of work to get there. It's also one of the most cost-effective ways to be able to do this. And so, of course, we're looking to steward some of our resources, too. A uh, couple quick stories uh, about uh, some of the guys that were on the trip. Um, these are two guys, or three guys, actually. Uh, Al on the that side. Um, 
uh, he actually came across to weld. He's a mechanic. And we, we realized that we needed him to do mechanical things than welding things. So he signed up for this construction trip, but God used and gifted him in a certain way that was needed for this trip. And he got, he got a, at least six to 12 different pieces of equipment running that just had essentially been written off. Um, and so he was just such a valuable resource and really a godsend and a blessing. Uh, he didn't think that that skill was needed. He thought the welding side was. God had other plans for him. The two young guys on the other side, um, one's name is Ryan and the other one's name is Brandon. Uh, Ryan's actually considering coming out on a one-year internship with Friends in Action, so this was his trial run. Um, and jury's out still. Uh, his heart is there, um, and our, our intentions are to see him come out to the field. Um, but it was amazing just to kind of see how he engaged the work uh, and how he kind of came to life around some of the other people that were there. Um, and God really was doing a work in him. It was challenging him in a number of different ways. Um, one of the earlier pictures we just kind of glanced over was our devotional time together. Every morning we'd work through the book of James, uh, a chapter at a time or a section of a chapter at a time. And God, at various times, just kept bringing those, in, those intentional verses, or that was intentional for us to look through because he would bring those verses to mind or bring the situation was comp- directly related to uh, what we were reading in, in the book of James and... Um, it just became alive for some of these guys. For the other guy, Brandon, this is the first time he came out with Friends in Action, and he just could not stop asking questions. Um, and just, again, kept saying over and over, I've heard about what you guys do. I know a bunch of guys who have gone out with you. So I didn't think it was like this. I didn't realize that God could use me and use welding to be part of missions in this way. I've always loved missions, but I never knew where I fit. I always believed that God could use me somewhere, but I don't know how. So by the end of the trip, he had signed up him and his fiance to do our, our uh, orientation training next year. And that's how God was working through this trip on his heart to be leading him to get more involved with us too. On the cultural side, we had a couple of cultural opportunities. Um, this was one of the dinners that the local staff and some of the local friends of the family put together. And so it's not just that we ate and engaged with a North American style family or living, but we also did some stuff locally with the Nevons there. Um, I'm not going to go too far into the food, but it was delicious. Um, a lot of staples like rice and manioc um, was, are part of, their, part of their main, but then uh, one of these things called uh, taluk, yes, uh, is essentially this like soft-wrapped um, thing. <laughs> uh, it's uh, like manioc pounded into a kind of dough, and it's wrapped around meat, and it's cooked, and all of this is cooked under banana leaves and, and hot rocks and stuff like that. It's a cultural thing, and it's, fa- it's really good food. Um, they would have this other thing that was served with some coconut si- uh, sauce over top of it. Uh, we ate very, very well during the time that we were there, and it's just such a gracious and, and wonderful people to be alongside. The focus of the ministry and, and the trip was about serving the FI missionary so they can go and do their thing. Uh, our focus as an organization is about accelerating, uh, accelerating the work of partners to be able to share the gospel and to do ministry um, through practical means. And so even though we were serving within our own mission organization, it's serving our own mission so that we could help them do the work of sharing the gospel and supporting those that are sharing the gospel in Vanuatu. I'm going to go quick and just brag a little bit on my family. Um, uh, so some of the things that my kids had done um, and some of the things that uh, they're expecting to do were, were a little bit different, um, but they really, they really kind of dove into 
whatever it is that they found themselves in. Um, so they had chickens there, and so Moses took it on himself to either collect eggs or drop eggs, depending on what day it was. Um, and, and he was collecting the chickens and watering them and feeding them, doing that with both the, uh, the boys that were there. Um, Maria was involved in a lot of different things uh, with, uh, with Amos. Uh, he was pretty much attached to her on her, on her hip for the, the entire five weeks that we were there. We saw Maria grow up huge on this trip. Um, am I making you nervous or uh, embarrassed? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, we really did. Uh, we, saw, we saw her just transform into someone who was willing to do what, whatever was asked of her without complaining, um, especially with respect to Amos. Um, we had a converse at one of our family times together. We talked about whatever we do, we do it without grumbling or complaining. That was one of the morning, uh, a couple times when we were having our family devotions together, that was something that we did. And, and we saw that. Um, and we saw them lean into new things to be challenged and to be strapped, stretched. And God did a, a big work in them. As a family, we did do some fun things together. Um, so... We, uh, we were able to go for uh, this, well, one of the things we did was this really cool horseback riding adventure. Uh, we went down, kind of did a tour actually of our property. We share space with a, uh, a lady that runs horse, uh, horse rides um, through the property and around, and then it finishes off going down through these mangroves, uh, and you're in the water and going through, uh, you're actually riding in the water for a little bit. So it's actually a really neat experience. Um, and so that was just part of what we did as a family while we were over there. Um, Moses was wanting so desperately to drive an excavator. Um, and I think he had in his mind that he was going to be using all of, like, the big equipment that, uh, that we have out there. Uh, he was a little disappointed when that didn't happen. Uh, but we were able to use the dozer and the, mini and the, the skid loader and do some work ourselves. Um, they weren't as involved when the team was there, um, but in terms of in and around and, and supporting it. Um, this last picture um, of us and the Pittman family uh, really, I think for me, summarizes the work that we were doing out there. Um, and it was being this time of encouragement. Um, the whole team, when we were there, we were focused on the work. The job was to, the work, and the focus was to get the job done. When we were just with the Pittman family, the focus was doing life together. Um, and this is just kind of a random picture around the table. Um, but by the end of it, it was just so neat to be able to walk away, to have Levi and Jen come up and say, just thank you. You guys were such a big help. Also, we've never felt as supported as missionaries for this organization as we feel now. As supported as missionaries, period. Having people come over, having relationship, being able to talk and walk alongside. Um, and so I, I share this to help give you an understanding of what happened in us and through us as a family. Uh, there are specific stories that, that we can share. I kind of glossed over a lot of things. Um, but as, um, as a family, what you were doing when supporting us and going to do that, you were supporting them. You're supporting God's work of coming alongside that family that's over there, that ministry that's over there, helping sustain them, helping support us and sending us to go. Um, we learned a lot as well in terms of uh, what it meant to go and to serve in different ways. Uh, I know Megan, it was great for her to be able to go back after being six years out from Burkina Faso uh, to be back in the field and to be able to see and taste and touch and, and be part of that. And I think for my kids too, they see and know what it is that I go and do. Um, so the times that I'm gone and separated from them, they have an idea now where I'm going and the things that I'm involved in and helps make it more real for them too. So I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for sharing 
with us in that ministry, for being part of that journey with us. Um, I spent way more time talking about that, so I'm not going to go as far into what I was going to share from the word this morning, but I do want to share really quickly, and I promise you I'm going to keep it to a couple minutes. Um, All right, Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan. I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, and this mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all I have commanded you, they shall do. This, uh, Levi shared this verse with us, and this is kind of where I want to wrap up. Levi shared this verse with us as we were over there, because he said, as a young guy sent across by his parents at 17 and coming back and, and trying to figure out where, where do I fit in God's plan? Where do I fit? Because I have a heart for ministry, I have a heart for service, but I'm gifted with my hands. I don't speak. He actually has ADHD. We're convinced of it anyways. Um, he, he's like, I, I don't fit as a missionary in terms of all the missionaries that I see coming through my door of our church. His parents were the pastors actually of his church. He said he got to this and God just grabbed his heart because he said, here are these two guys plus X number of others who were set apart by God for holy service And what were they to do? They were to make things. Here were these guys that were set apart for God for holy service that were specifically chosen and filled with the Holy Spirit to make things. And that was worship. So I come back to the start. Who we are and what we're meant to be doing as followers of Jesus Christ is worship. You sending us out as a, as a family to go and serve is an expression of worship. We, pray, we worship this morning recognizing that God predestined us to be adopted. Jessica, Heather, Zachary, whoever was picking those songs, I mean, the Holy Spirit was moving through you for that too. What does it also say in the word? That God predestined us in him for good works. God predestined us to be a, a chosen nation to be a royal priesthood, to be, to be the, the hmm, how does that finish off? I can't remember it actually right off the top of my head, but being chosen and set apart for God. And that's one thing that, that Levi, he was grabbed by this, these verses and saying, if God can use me and use what I have to be able to worship him by serving others, then that's my calling. This morning, I, I, I want to wrap up just with this. In the same way, each one of us, as followers of Jesus Christ, 
have the Holy Spirit in us. Each one of us, that same Holy Spirit that was given to those guys to make those things for the temple. It's the Spirit of God. Each one of us has a responsibility to do something with the things that God has given us. Whether it's to go, whether it's to stay, whether it's to do whatever it is that God is laying on your heart. But God has called us to testify for him in the places that he has put us. Whether it's to go or stay. And we always have a choice and a decision. Are we going to do it or not? I heard a, uh, when we were down in the U.S., um, we missed a family reunion, and there was the guy that was sharing at that family reunion, he was actually sharing on Mary and Martha. And he said the difference between Mary and Martha when they were meeting with Jesus and when there's that whole story of, 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 G, of Martha complaining that, that Mary wasn't doing anything, he said one of the things to take from that story was G, Mary recognized that her opportunity was to worship Jesus when he was there. And Martha got the stuff of life the stuff of life got in the way of Martha being able to do that. Martha was very capable, very competent, but she forgot to worship God. And for me, those two stories go together. God has called us to worship him. Don't let the stuff of life get in the way of worshiping him. Don't let the stuff of life get in the way of being ready to step out by faith and trust him if he calls you. Don't be afraid to do that and just trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, this time has been yours, and God, I just thank you for filling it. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would bless us, um, not only with your presence, but also with, your under, with understanding. Uh, God, as it says in your word, and in thinking about those, those men that, uh, that you blessed supernaturally to do the things that you had uh, commanded Moses to do and to make for your tabernacle, you not only gave them ability, but it was supernatural ability that was beyond them. And God, in terms, when it comes to understanding your word, um, it is you, Holy Spirit, that allows us to understand what your word says. And also, Father, to understand how you, Holy Spirit, are leading us. So God, I just pray that in the same way that this morning, uh, as I've shared testimony about people who've been faithful to step out by faith to go and serve in another country, whether for a short period of time or for a long time. Uh, God, or you're calling people to serve here or to step out in the areas where, God, you have placed them. I pray that each one of us would recognize the holy calling that we each have to testify of you, to worship you. And God, I pray that we would not let the things of this world, the busyness of this world, or the urgency to do other stuff get in the way of worshiping you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I just ask that you would bless us as we go. In your name, amen.